Welcome to the Faith Connections Podcast, a partnership between the Foundry Publishing, Nazarene Discipleship International, and Holiness Today. Welcome to our study this week of 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verses 1 to 13, and verses 20 to 22. My name is Scott Rainey. I serve with the Church of the Nazarene in the area of Nazarene Discipleship International, or NDI. This adult Sunday school video lesson is provided in collaboration between the Foundry Publishing and NDI. The Sunday school lesson is intended to support the local church's efforts to make disciples who make disciples. Please feel free to use this video in any way that helps your church or its families. I am sure that in the past, you've seen a sign at a business that said, under new management. If this business is a place where you have had a bad experience in the past, the sign might make you visit the business again to see if things have changed. Maybe the new management has improved the quality of the service or the merchandise. As we begin our lesson for this week, we find the Southern Kingdom of Judah with new leadership. King Ahaz had died and the new king was his son, King Hezekiah. Will Hezekiah's leadership result in true change for the nation of Judah? We will discover the answer to this question in this lesson today. You might remember from last week's lesson that King Ahaz, Hezekiah's father, is remembered as one of the most evil kings in Judah's history, almost destroying the nation in his 16 years as king. We learn in 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 2 to 4, that King Ahaz made idols for worshiping the Baals, burned sacrifices in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, and sacrificed his children in the fire. And he offered sacrifices and burned incense at the high places on the hilltops and under every spreading tree. King Ahaz participated in the detestable practices of the very nations the Lord had driven out of Canaan. Because of this, the Lord delivered King Ahaz and Judah into the hands of the king of Aram, the king of Israel, the Edomites, and the Philistines. Instead of turning in repentance to Yahweh, the one true God for help, King Ahaz turned to the strongest nation of that day, Assyria, and to its king, Tiglath, Pileser. Ahaz sent a gift of silver and gold to the king of Assyria, which he had looted from the temple of the Lord, according to 2 Kings chapter 16, verse 8. As a result of Ahaz's request and gift, Judah and Assyria entered into a treaty, and Assyria came to Judah's rescue. They defeated the nation of Aram in battle, took many prisoners, and killed Aram's king. The king of Assyria, however, exacted heavy, unbearable taxes on the nation of Judah. The treaty between Judah and Assyria would have remained in effect through subsequent kingships of both Judah and Assyria. In other words, the treaty would have lasted longer than Ahaz and Tiglath-Pileser. Judean rulers would have been required to send gifts or taxes to the Assyrian king annually. Well, around 716 BC, King Ahaz died, 
and his son, King Hezekiah, became the new king of Judah. Hezekiah was nothing like his father, Ahaz. Hezekiah's, uh, was, Hezekiah was righteous, trusted in God, kept God's commands, and was successful. 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 5 says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him um, among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. But 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 7 says, Hezekiah rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. For Hezekiah, the days of the treaty with Assyria were over. Hezekiah did not want any more taxes going north. In 701 BC, Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, invaded Judah and captured a number of Judah's cities. King Hezekiah hastily sent Sennacherib a message asking Assyria to withdraw. According to 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 14, Hezekiah agreed to pay whatever Sennacherib demanded. Once again, the king of Judah, this time Hezekiah, gave gold and sil silver from the temple of the Lord to the king of Assyria. Paying this huge demand, however, did not detour uh, Sennacherib's aggression. The king of Assyria wanted the city of Jerusalem as well. This background brings us now to our passage for this week, 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verses 1 through 13, and verses 20 through 22. After all that Hezekiah had so faithfully done, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah. He laid siege to the fortified cities, thinking to conquer them for himself. When Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that he intended to wage war against Jerusalem, he consulted with his officials and military staff about blocking off the water from the springs outside the city, and they helped him. They gathered a large group of people who blocked all the springs and the stream that flowed through the land. Why should the king, kings of Assyria come and find plenty of water, they said. Then they worked hard, repairing all the broken sections of the wall, building towers on it. He built another wall outside that one and reinforced the terraces of the city of David. He also made large numbers of weapons and shields. He appointed military officers over the people and assembled them before him in the square of the city gate and encouraged them with these words. Be strong and, and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast uh, army with him. For there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah, the king of Judah, said. Later, when Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and all his forces were laying siege to Lachish, he sent his officers to Jerusalem with this message for Hezekiah, king of Judah, and for all the people of Judah who were there. This is what Sennacherib, king of Assyria, says. On what are you basing your confidence? 
that you remain in Jerusalem under siege. When Hezekiah says, the Lord our God will save us from the hand of the king of Assyria, he is misleading you to let you die of hunger and thirst. Did not Hezekiah himself remove this God's high places and altars, saying it to Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship before one altar and burn sacrifices on it? Do you not know what I what I and my predecessors have done to all the people of the other lands? Were the gods of those nations ever able to deliver their land from my hand? And then skipping down to verse 20. King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, cried out in prayer to heaven about this. And the Lord sent an angel who annihilated all the fighting men and the commanders and officers in the camp of the Assyrian king. So he withdrew to his own land in disgrace. And when he went into the temple of his God, some of his sons, his own flesh and blood, cut him down with the sword. So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others. He took care of them on every side. I don't know if you've ever done everything you knew to be right, even to the details, only to watch your plans go awry and wonder whether God had simply forgotten about you. I am sure this is how Hezekiah felt when Sennacherib invaded the kingdom of Judah. Chapters 29 to 31 of 2 Chronicles detail all the ways that Hezekiah brought Judah back to worship God with purity. Hezekiah purified the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. He destroyed the images and objects of worship to foreign gods. He held a Passover celebration on a scale not seen in centuries. And he reorganized the way of providing for Judah's priests and Levites. Even with all this good, difficult days came on King Hezekiah. While there may be some popular Christian personalities today who tell us that following God will make you rich and successful without any troubles, the reality of scripture is simply different. In fact, obeying God today may be the very reason you face challenges in your life. Jesus Christ told his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 and 25, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Knowing that Sennacherib was inching closer to Jerusalem, King Hezekiah began to prepare for an upcoming siege on the city of Jerusalem. According to 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verses 3 through 7, Hezekiah took the following steps. First, he consulted with his officials and military staff, according to verse 3. The fact that King Hezekiah listened well to his officials and military staff says a lot about him. He trusted others, was willing to listen to the counsel of others, and was teachable. The fact that his advisors worked with him like this spoke well of King Hezekiah as well. His people 
believed in his leadership. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14 says, for lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Second, King Hezekiah set out to shut off the fresh water from around the city so that an invading army would lack water and a besieged Jerusalem would not thirst, according to verse four. Much of Jerusalem's water came from two springs that were from outside the city, Gihon and Ain Rogel. Hezekiah had a 1,750-foot tunnel chiseled through solid rock under the city of Jerusalem, bringing water from the Gihon Spring from outside the, southern, the southeastern wall of Jerusalem to the Pool of Siloam inside the city walls. Still today in Jerusalem, you can walk through Hezekiah's tunnels. Third, the people of Judah worked hard to repair the walls and towers of Jerusalem, and they stockpiled weapons and shields, according to verse 5. Jerusalem was in a sad state of repair, and this work was absolutely necessary if they were to fend off an invading army. When Sennacherib actually crossed Judah's borders, he moved first against western and southern Judah before turning toward Jerusalem. This military plan of Assyria actually gave Hezekiah more time for the desperately needed work that was reported in verses four and five. Last, Hezekiah gathered his military officers in the square at the city gate to encourage them, verses six through eight. Perhaps this was one or two days before the arrival of Sennacherib's officers that we will soon hear about in verse 9. Hezekiah began his speech very strongly with an uninterrupted series of four verbs. The first two verbs were positive commands, the second two negative commands. Literally translated, Hezekiah said, be strong, be courageous, do not fear, and do not be dismayed. Hezekiah then compared the armies of Judah with the armies of Assyria. Assyria relies on the arm of flesh, verse 8. But Judah relies on God, who is with them to help them and always fights their battles. <clears throat> Hezekiah was a leader with integrity, relying appropriately upon God. His words had their desired effect uh, giving his people confidence for the severe testing that lay before them. I'm convinced we need more Christian leaders today who rely completely on God and who speak words that help the church gain confidence. Would you be one of those kinds of leaders? I hear some leaders today speaking death sentences on the church. Please hear me today. Jesus is the Lord of his church. Yes, there are denominations that are walking away from the truth of God's word. These denominations will have trouble in the days ahead. But Christ's church, of whom Jesus is the head, is in no trouble at all. We, Christ's church, can put our confidence in Jesus, our Lord. Take heart, friends. Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. As 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse 9 begins, 
Sennacherib and his forces are besieging the city of Lachish. Lachish was Judah's second most important city after Jerusalem. It lay about 30 miles southwest of Jerusalem. In his military campaign, Sennacherib conquered and destroyed Lachish. As his siege of Lachish neared its successful con conclusion, Sennacherib sent his officers to Jerusalem. In verses 10 to 13, Sennacherib taunted Judah, its officers, and Hezekiah with four rhetorical questions. First, he asked in verse 10, on what are you basing your confidence? Sennacherib knew that Hezekiah would be encouraging his people to put their trust in Yahweh. He said that Yahweh was misleading the people and everyone will die of hunger and thirst, verse 11. The second question Sennacherib asked was this, did not Hezekiah himself remove this God's high places and altars, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship God before one altar and burn sacrifices on it? Since the building of the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem under King Solomon, Israel's ideal was one central location for worship of God. In Hezekiah's reforms, he removed many of the high places in other parts of the land that had been built by his father. The common theology of Judah's neighbors included the idea that the more places of worship a deity possessed, the more powerful the deity was. Many Judeans also believe this. So the question posed by Sennacherib's officers would have struck real fear into the heart of many listening Judeans. How could they expect Yahweh to deliver them when their king had done away with so many places where God had been worshiped? Third, Sennacherib asked, do you not know what I have done to all the people of the other lands? Verse 13, Assyria was brutal to its subjects. More people died of starvation from sieges than died in war. Many people died by being impaled on sticks while still living. Assyria was horrible to the people it conquered. And this question would have been terrifying to the people in Jerusalem. Finally, Sennacherib asked, were the gods of those nations ever able to deliver their land from my hand? Verse 13. <clears throat> in the 50 preceding years, a vigorous Assyrian expansion in nearly every direction from their homeland, not one people or nation had resisted Assyria successfully. As far as they had been able to, to reach, they had conquered. This question was a direct affront to King Hezekiah's trust in God and ultimately to God himself. Well, in our final three verses of 2 Chronicles 32, Hezekiah shines as a leader. Rather than cave in to fear and discouragement, Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah responded through prayer, according to verse 20. Sennacherib's arm of flesh was outmatched by God's response of sending an angel to fight for Judah, verse 21. 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 35 records that 185,000 Assyrian soldiers were, were annihilated by the angel of the Lord. 
Some of the army, however, were not destroyed by the angel because Sennacherib was able to flee and return to his home city of Nineveh. The NIV says he returned in disgrace. <clears throat> the literal Hebrew says in shame of face or shamefacedly. 20 years after his return to the Assyrian capital in 681 BC, two of his sons assassinated him while he was worshiping in the temple of his God. A fitting irony of this story is that having ridiculed the ability of Hezekiah's God to save him, Sennacherib found his own God unable to save him, even as he prayed in his own temple. As our story comes to a close in verse 22, we must remember the repetition of the words save and deliver throughout this lesson. Showing up in 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verses 11, 13, 14, and 15. Their repetition highlight the main question of this miraculous event in Judah's history. Will the Lord be able to save Judah? The taunts of Sennacherib bring the question to the fore again. Hezekiah continues to encourage the people to pray to Yahweh and prepare for battle. Indeed, God was mighty to save, is with them, and fights their battle. All scripture speaks the same word. God delivers God's people. And in the end, God brings us into a place of rest on every side. Will you trust him today in your difficult situation? Pray, prepare, and wait on God to deliver you as he delivered Judah and his people throughout the centuries. Thank you for listening to the Faith Connections podcast. If you wish to order Faith Connection materials for your local church, please visit thefoundrypublishing.com. If you've enjoyed this production and wish to hear more, visit holinesstoday.org slash podcast or find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts.